Welcome, welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Conference Championship Preview Podcast. I am your host, Alex, aka Bullship One. I'm joined by Tenor King of Memphis, who I heard is now catching momentum with that name, and Holt, uh, Outback Bowl or Bus Norris. How y'all doing? Good, Alex. What's up? Dude, I'm just I'm just kind of stressed out because Memphis is playing Saturday against Central Florida, undefeated Central Florida, and they're also playing basketball at the same time, and then the SEC championships all at the same time too. So it's gonna be a fun weekend. That's kind of so. Stressful. Basically, what you're saying is you're not gonna be able to watch any of the SEC championship game. Dude, I, I mean, this is not a championship for me. So basically, yeah. I'll I'll watch some SEC championship game, but I was thinking I was thinking about this in Memphis. Because um, I'll be in Memphis because I'm running the uh, San Jude Half Marathon. I was thinking about it for a second. Um, if I went to a bar in Memphis to watch these games, I wonder what, sh- what would be the priority because Memphis basketball is obviously huge. And Memphis football is playing the championship and then SEC championships on the same time. I mean, I guess there's multiple TVs so you can show all of them at once. But um, it might be kind of tight in some of the bars in Memphis to watch this game which is why I'm assuming JB is going to be plopped on his couch, not moving a damn muscle watching the SEC championship. Hell no. I'm going to be plopped on my couch with uh, a couple beers in front of me and doing absolutely nothing except watching football. Although during that SEC championship, I will flip over to the AAC championship just to see how Memphis is doing. I mean, I'll be rooting for them along with probably 95% of the country, you know, because no one wants to see UCF keep winning. Although I do hate what happened to Mackenzie Milton, so that's, you know, that's, you know, I don't, it's horrible to see what happened to him too. He's a fierce competitor. Nobody wants to see that, even though we all want to see UCF lose. But yeah, I'll be watching everything. I'm not doing that's a what, thing Saturday. That's what I was gonna say is that uh, even if Memphis wins against Central Florida uh, on Saturday, it's Central Florida is gonna be ready for Mackenzie Milton wasn't playing, so we didn't have a starting quarterback, so it doesn't really count. We're still undefeated. Um, if they win, watch out. If Central Florida wins, watch out because they're going to be on another level of um, their high horse it's going undefeated without their uh, starting quarterback, and they're going to think they should uh, deserve their spot in the playoffs. So be fun to watch uh, for non-SEC games. Um, Holt, we'll get to it. Um, this SEC championship, there's been a lot of noise around around the Twitter sphere. And, uh, hold on, hold yeah. on. Real quick, Alex. Wanted to ask Holt one little thing. Holt went. You went to a movie tonight. Off topic. Who's running this show? Uh, no, no, no. no I, we're gonna get to football, but I just wanted to ask Holt real quick. Fuck while we're, in, while we're while we're in the introduction, uh, Holt. You know, I'm a movie buff, and I'm curious. What movie did you see tonight? And give us a brief review. Did you like it or not? Um. Well, I actually went to see this movie called Widows. It wasn't my decision, but uh. There's a few people in it you might know, uh, like Liam Neeson and Colin Farrell and Robert Duvall. But it was mostly about uh, these three women who get widowed. Uh, they're like husbands or gangsters or whatever, and then they have like some debt to pay, and they're trying to. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting little uh, plot, I guess. Uh, the movie is okay. You know, not my favorite. I probably won't see it again, but you know, maybe you'll like it. If you're out there listening and you want something to see, uh, you know, maybe with your girlfriend or, you know, your mom or whatever, 
it looked like it was on a short list for an Oscar for Best Picture for this upcoming February, from what I saw, for at least for betting sites. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they actually have it. They actually do bets for the Oscars, like for Best Picture, Best Actor, all that kind of jizz. Jizz. Did you say jizz? Uh, jazz. Jeb, you were holding up on starting the podcast because you were taking a dump. Election. Now I'm starting to second guess that if you were actually taking a dump. Don't know about you now. Um, yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me that they're betting on Oscars. They, they bet on everything now. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. But Holt, you said uh, if – if it wasn't you acted like it wasn't your choice to see this movie, which makes me think you were actually accompanied by a hot young lady. Were you there on a uh, date? <laughs> I was on a date, but unfortunately, it was uh, with my with my awesome mom. Okay. Uh, Hi, Miss Kim. Miss Kim, Miss Kim, who I'm sure is listening. She's one of our most loyal listeners. So, shout out to her. Hi, Miss Kim. Uh, we just, all love you. It was, just, it was just me and her, and uh, we went out and. Had some Mexican food beforehand and just uh, hanging out. It's just me. It's just me and her down in Destin right now. My stepdad and my sister both left, so we're just been we've been hanging out these last couple of days, enjoying the, each other's company and having a good time. It's a nice little economical trip. I, I, I date. I like that. I like that idea. Hold. Um, maybe I'll have to ask you. You ought, ought to <laughs> just stay down. You ought to just stay down there. Hold. Uh, you know, even when, after your mother flies back, uh, if there's no one coming, you could just uh, keep the place warm. For a while, and just you know, have the place to yourself. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, I could, but uh, I got to get back to uh, my regular routine back in Jackson. Yeah, the, the gym. And, uh, the gym. Yeah, I, I've been. They have a fitness center here, but they don't really have all the stuff I like to use. They just kind of have a treadmill, and I forgot to bring my workout shoes, so I got blisters all over the back of my feet now because I've been wearing these crappy shoes that I can't really run in, and. Uh, just kind of a oversight on my part. So I've been having to deal with that. So it'll be good to get back home, get my regular shoes back and uh, be able to go, go full, uh, you know, all the way. Full throttle. At the gym. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> Flo would misses you. Yeah, I'm sure they do. The people at the gym there know me. Like they call me by my first name and I want, I bet they wonder where I've been the last like week. Cause Where's I've been out Holt's of town. Where's it? Where is he? I know they're probably missing me. They probably think I like died or something. Yeah, well, at least you didn't die. You're just you're telling like, yeah, I'm just enjoying my uh, beach house. Don't worry, don't worry about y'all. Um, let's get into football real quick, Holt. And by real quick, I mean for the next 55 minutes of the show. Um, football. So around the Twitter sphere and uh, media, people have been discussing the idea of this playoff and the four possible teams. People are saying specifically about this SEC championship. No matter what happens Saturday. Alabama is in, even if they lose to Georgia. I don't know if it has to be a close game or not, but even if they lose, people are saying Alabama is in. Would you agree with the Twitter sphere on that? Yeah, I think so. I think the, maybe the only way is if they just got absolutely killed. Like, I mean, it would have to be really ugly. I think they would. Georgia would have to outgain them by, like, 400 yards and beat them by, like, you know, 35 points or something like crazy like that. Something that's not going to happen. Yeah, um, that does sound highly improbable. Yeah, but I mean, to me, like, I, I mean, they're still two touchdown favorite over Georgia, so it's not like they're in like huge danger of losing this game. I think most people still expect them to win, and uh, to me, the fun things kind of start happening. Maybe not from the SEC perspective, but from a national perspective. If Alabama wins, and then maybe like Oklahoma and Ohio State lose, I feel like some crazy stuff could really happen then. 
Yeah, that's when you could maybe start to argue Georgia or even Central Florida, which if they do win, which they're up against it without their quarterback, starting quarterback, um, maybe they could get in as 12-0, and um, non-Power 5, Power 6, though, team. At some point, you have to put an undefeated team in over a Power 5 team with two or three losses, I would think. Yeah, um, because then not only if you put Georgia in, it would just be a rematch again. You know what I mean? And, like, who wants to see that? Unless it's, think, like, a really close game. Like, I just – I don't think anyone's going to want to see that. Jamie, how big are you on conspiracy theories? How people will say that no matter what happens, the power brokers will um, have the teams picked based off of revenue and uh, things like that as opposed to the best teams playing? I definitely think it depends on, and definitely varies on how big the program is and what the program has done. With Notre Dame being undefeated, there is absolutely no way they're going to leave them out. Just because, I mean, they're undefeated, and they they've beaten a few they beaten a few Power Five teams, a few top twenty five wins, and they also are Notre Dame. They're a big revenue streamer, so there is absolutely no scenario I see that Notre Dame's left out of the uh, playoff. I've seen one guy from the committee that said that's not the case. Don't believe any shit he says. Notre Dame's in the playoff. That's the one program I'd say right now that is absolutely safe. Out of all the teams that are being considered. Let's throw another curveball at you, JB. What if Clemson loses, which is, again, highly improbable? They'll be 12-1, um, and one, but with one loss, would they get in over a 12-1 Oklahoma or 12-1 Ohio State? I think they would get the nod over both of them. But, it, man, it would be so close. Because, I mean, you look at the ACC this year, it's comp- absolutely weak. Like, I mean, I think Clemson overall is a better team than Ohio State and Oklahoma, and if you just go by the eye test, Clemson gets a nod. But if you go by, you know, top 25 wins, might give the nod to a team like Ohio State. So, but so I guess I guess it's a consensus for, at this point that the SEC championship is probably the most exciting conference championship this weekend. But outside of that game, which game is most exciting or intriguing to you, Holt? I mean, I'd have to say the Big 12 championship game uh, just because it's Oklahoma-Texas. Oklahoma has a chance to avenge their only loss of the season. It's the first time that these guys have not played at the Cotton Bowl um, in their history, I'm pretty sure. So, or at least ever since they started doing that, um, you know, the Red River rivalry, or however you say it, if I can say it. Red if, River if I can shootout. Say it right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they call it the rivalry now, but. Uh, the shootout is what we grew up on, so I'm cool with, with calling it that. I, don't I mean, really it can't, like change, I mean, so. it is going to be a shootout, technically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, you know, Texas's defense was the one team this year that was able to kind of slow down uh, Kyler Murray at least for the first three and a half quarters until they made that big comeback. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how that game goes this time around. And uh, if I think if Oklahoma gets a you know, pretty decisive win. I think they'll be able to stay ahead of Ohio State in the pecking order, you know, for, uh, you know, hopefully pulling for, you know, if you're Oklahoma, you want a big win and then you want Alabama to beat Georgia pretty easily, I think. And then I think they'll be, they'll be the fourth team. I yeah, actually I agree. Let me, let me talk a second for JB. I'll, I'll ask you. No, I'll just say that I agree. You can go ahead. <laughs> you got, you have the floor. You have the floor. Okay. Thanks. Um, I'm actually excited for, the Ohio State-Northwestern game, not because I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm just interested to see come third and fourth quarter if Ohio State does pull away as expected, um, are they going to run to score and how much will they run to score? You, This brings back memories to whenever they beat Wisconsin 
Um, I think it was 2014 international championship year. Um, they beat them. They kept scoring. I forgot 59 to nothing. Was, yeah, it was 59 or 62. Well, yeah, 59 nothing sounds right. I guess you're you're probably right holding that. But it it reminds me of that, and um, they get, barely got in as four seed, and they end up beating Alabama. Um, I think that's very similar to this year. Um, I don't think it's going to be a close game, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in the third and fourth quarter. If they leave Dwayne Haskins in the entire game, even if he's, they're up by 30 in the fourth quarter, it'll be interesting. Debbie, what do you think Ohio State has to do to get in? Because right now, I guess you would you would say that there's really nothing they can do to get in if Oklahoma wins because they're, Oklahoma's already ahead of Ohio State in the rankings, and Oklahoma plays a better team in Texas than Ohio State does in Northwestern. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think – as we saw with the committee put out uh, last night with this rankings, Oklahoma's got the edge currently. And with Oklahoma playing a better team in Texas, slightly better team in Texas, you know, because they're slightly higher ranked, I, Oklahoma has the edge. I think right now the only way I could see Ohio State making it in over an Oklahoma team that wins its uh, title championship along with Bama or along with Bama winning is if Ohio State beats Northwestern by 40 and Oklahoma only beats Texas by a field goal. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that I was thinking about, too, is, uh, you know, it is really interesting that Oklahoma is ranked ahead of Ohio State um, because it'll be interesting to see on Sunday if they look at it the same way um, between Oklahoma and Ohio State. I mean, just because, like, Ohio State, like, both offenses are really good and both defenses have really struggled. But Ohio State at least has, like, some dudes on defense. You know what I mean? They at least have, like, some talented guys and – they show up occasionally, you know, Oklahoma's, they got defense, some playmakers, like, yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma's defense never shows up. You know what I mean? I just wonder if that'll be like any kind of factor. The fact that at least Ohio state has like a chance of playing like halfway decent defense on a given night, but I don't know. Let's see how much of a football fan you are holding on Friday. There's the, obviously the PAC 12 championship, which is probably the weakest of the power five. And some people even claim they're weaker than American, which I would disagree at this point because American is slightly down this year compared to last year, but um, it can almost go to bat with Pac-12. But Friday night, there's Pac-12 championship between Utah and Washington. There's also the Maction championship on Friday night. Hole, will you be watching the entire Maction championship as well? Um, you know, I might. You know, there's not really anything else going on, so I may have to flip over. But to be honest, uh, I'm not even sure who's playing. JB, you want to fill that in? I, I have it in front of me. I'll see how much you know. Yeah, this weekend in the Maxion Championship, we have – uh, Who is – wait, are you, who is it? Are you Sorry, reading it? trying to look it up real quick. Yeah, you're I'm trying to, I was trying – you <laughs> caught me out. You caught me out. It's uh, Northern Illinois and Buffalo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Buffalo's having a good year. I should have guessed them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so is how much we pay attention to the Maxion. Other, other – The Maxion's been pretty weak this year, though. There hasn't been a lot of good Maxion matchups this year. I think you have the, – the true hardcore college football fans love Maxion, and – um, I'm, I don't know if I'm hardcore, but I do like watching Maction on weeknights at least. And I, I would Maction's not what it used to be. It, it's like, not. It's been really down these last year or two. It, it was I, back like a few years ago when it really hit its peak. Yeah, the the most fun non-Power Five conference to watch now is the American Power yeah. Six. Power Six. Power. I'm I'm can't say non-Power Five. <laughs> yeah, I always wish they wouldn't do Power Six because it just it just sounds even like worse when you say power six you're just trying to put yourself up there and you're not really up there especially with central florida going undefeated and not getting a playoff consideration like that kind of proves you're not power five to everybody else so like you need to stop saying like you're power six um 
Did you know we have other SEC games on Saturday? Holt and Jake. Yes. Yeah, yes, I think got... uh, South Carolina's playing like Marshall or somebody. Akron. They are. Akron. Uh, playing Akron. Zip. And then uh, Marshall is playing at Virginia Tech. So that doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Marshall should be playing South Carolina and then Virginia Tech should be playing Akron. Yeah. Especially we know Akron did beat Northwestern. So, who won the Big Ten East? So, watch out. They did. I mean, it's kind of a meaningless game for the Gamecocks. I mean, they're already bowl eligible, so I'm curious to see how they're going to show up for this game. It doesn't really matter to them. I mean, I guess the difference is if they lose, they could get put in a shitty bowl like the Birmingham or Independence Bowl. If they win, then they're kept in a group of six bowl, you know. Don't, yeah. don't shit well, on the It'll be bowl. interesting to see. But, you know, Jake Bentley has really been uh, on fire these last few weeks. So, I don't know if, if Akron, if those Zips won any. You know, before before we had this podcast, I was going back to look at all the preseason predictions we had for all the different teams, all the SEC teams. I didn't finish it completely because it's, you know, I wish we would have just had in the podcast, um, like in the description, we predicted uh, Michigan State to go 11-1 or something like that, but we didn't. So we had to, like, I really had to go listen to the end to see what we capped it off at. But I have some of the teams here. I don't know if it's really that interesting to go through all of them, but some of the teams that – um, the notables. Yeah, the notables. Um, I think it's actually notable that we got Georgia right at 11-1 and one as a group. Individually, JB and Hull both said 10-2, and two, but um, collectively we disagreed on the games that they were going to lose to, so it ended up being 11-1. and one. I don't know which, which their, what their loss would be. I guess if we were saying the loss would have been LSU maybe. No, Auburn. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had Georgia losing to uh, Auburn and Missouri. Yeah, yeah, Missouri – Missouri actually is another one. Holt, we we got them collectively right at eight and four, but Holt, you had like ten and two, and I think me and JB had probably eight and four or something like that. Yeah. So and or seven and five maybe. So it ended up even up at eight and four. So we got that right. Ones that we were wrong about was uh, Kentucky, obviously, but everybody's wrong about that. We had them six and six. They ended up going nine and three. Vanderbilt, we were really wrong. They had three and nine and. Uh, we had three yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of hurt because we did Vanderbilt last, so we had already done everybody else's schedule, so we couldn't really even like pick any of their games because we'd already picked them as a <laughs> as a win as a for loss. all the other team schedule. Yeah, we did. I don't know if we would have really changed it. Though. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You look at it differently when you do it like from the beginning because, like, you know, if you pick a bad team to start with, you're gonna be like, well, maybe they can win this game against this other bad team. But then you get to that other bad team, you start looking at their schedule and like, well, where are their wins going to come from? We had Ole Miss at 6-6, six and six, which they went 5-7, and seven, so not too, too far not off. Not too far off. Florida we had right at 9-3. Tennessee we had at 6-6, six and six, they were 5-7. and seven. Um, South Carolina we had 8-4, which they'll be should be 7-5 and five after Saturday. Um, that's, I think that's all I have. I think, I think we had Alabama going undefeated, um, but we – it's, it's – kind of funny how we got to that one too because I think individually we all said they were going to lose one game but we just couldn't put our finger on which game it was going to be well I think I actually I think I remember saying during that podcast correct me if I'm wrong but I thought Alabama was going to absolutely roll through the conference this year we we I think this I think we all did because we didn't there there there's no like we said they they should have lost one game because they had so much turnover on defense but um, we couldn't figure out which game it would be because all the games looked like very winnable because they were all the hard games were at home this year. And they had LSU as the big one on the road, and that wasn't tough, at least at the beginning of the year. And it definitely wasn't tough when they played them this year. No, it wasn't. But I, I think, you know, here's a cool fact about this Alabama team. 
This Alabama team is the first team do not in say, college football. Do not say that, JB. I already know where you're going with that. You already know where <laughs> the, I'm going the with Yale? it? Okay, yeah. Right. yeah. Holden knows where you're going yeah. too. Since the 1800s. Since it's been two centuries. Yeah. That's actually – we're going we're gonna to do a CBS drink for the uh, championship game, and that's definitely going to be one of them because that's, that's been repeated so much. They, I, that is a cool stat, though. It is. It is. It is. I mean, that's just – Did you guys uh, know that TUA stands for the University of Alabama? <laughs> I like that. That's pretty cool. That's where he got his name from? University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Toots. 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 Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to tweet, tweet all of the um, repeated quotes that keep coming through. Um, but it is pretty impressive. If they do win on Saturday, they will be um, one of the most dominant teams. They already are the most dominant teams for the regular season, but if they finish off this with beating Georgia and then um, I guess Ohio State, Oklahoma. Ohio State or Oklahoma, and then uh, Clemson. It, it'll be one one for the ages. I guess we can tell all of our all of our great great the greatest great college kids. football team of all time. If they finish fifteen to zero with the national championship, they will be the greatest football team of all time. <clears throat> you know, one thing people say Saban is Saban's obviously the best coach, but it's he's what makes him great is he's so different from um, Gus Malzahn, um, and we'll talk about Gus. Gus is. Because on the hot, hot seat right now uh, in Auburn. But, you know, <laughs> hot. <laughs> Auburn, um, if you watch Gus, Gus coach or Auburn play, you notice that he doesn't change his game plan for his personnel. He just coaches his way. And no matter who he has, he's going to have the same kind of offense and a pretty good defense. But you watch Alabama play over the years with Nick Saban coaching. Their teams have evolved from coming from a, you know, a run the ball under center pro-style offense to a spread offense to a now like a team that doesn't even rely as much on their defense although they still have really good defense I'll say that but they're they're getting to a more of a run and gun offense and a lot of this because of two of this year but it's just that's just how you know Saban is such a great coach because he's involved with the game um, as opposed to just change staying your exact same uh, philosophy, keeping your philosophy the exact same. You know, he he hired Kiffin a few years ago, and he didn't want. I probably didn't want to, but he knew um, the game was evolving to get to where uh, teams were winning with scoring more points and more more spread offenses. So um, I just think that's a mark of how good Saban is, I guess, as a coach. Yeah, I think uh, Malzahn tried uh, to go a little bit different route. He tried to go a little bit more pro style quarterback. He brought in Chip Lindsay to be offensive coordinator. But it just hasn't worked, like, at all. I mean, it just hasn't been a great fit. It hasn't really meshed well with his running game. You know, you thought that maybe they could put the two together and they would make some, you know, unstoppable offense. But it really hasn't. It's kind of stalled out a little bit. And it's it's definitely not for a lack of trying. I mean, I think Malzahn has tried to be innovative and tried to, you know, change with the times. But it's just not – it just hasn't worked for him at all. And Saban – you know, I mean, he's the best for a reason, you know, and I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that's kind of the problem with Jim Harbaugh is that he's not really yeah. advancing uh, on the offensive side of the ball with the game. He's kind of still stuck in 1980. So, especially you know, I, that is a good point about saving them. Especially Harbaugh in Michigan with Chip Hashin, a very dynamic quarterback. He's, he's limiting him offensively when he could really use more of a spread, spread offense and be able to run. For instance, uh, Chay Patterson probably be a really good quarterback at Auburn, 
or even Alabama or a lot of different places, even Ohio State, obviously Ohio State, a lot of different places uh, except for Michigan. It's just he's not he's, – he's doing a good job at Michigan, but he's, he's underutilized for sure, I think, at Michigan. Um, speaking of Chip Lindsey, bring everybody up to speed, which I'm sure everybody is already up to speed because they follow us on Twitter and follow everybody else on Twitter. Um, Tyson Helton has left for Western Kentucky, JB, um, which I guess is kind of a relief for Jeremy Peru because they kind of butted heads and nobody really loved Tyson <clears throat> Helton, right, JB? <laughs> I mean, that's just what speculation is showing, that they didn't get along. But you can tell by the Tennessee's offense this year, like, it shows some spurts that it was decent. But it was kind of like plugging a square peg into a round hole. Like, it just looks so horrible at times with them trying to force a running game with an offensive line that couldn't generate any kind of push. I mean, obviously, the bread and butter from this team would have been what you saw in the Auburn game is when they were throwing passes down the field to set up the running game. That was what Tennessee's offense should have done all year, or given the or throwing screens to the to uh, the running backs in space. That never really happened much after that game, and you know I don't know how how to explain it. It just didn't make sense at all. Obviously, the offense never was consistent all season, and I think Tyson Elton kind of knew that he and Pruitt were not going to mesh any longer. And that's why he was able to find it out and got himself a head coaching job. And you can actually yeah, it's kind of crazy. I think it's kind of crazy that. Western Kentucky hired him. I mean, Tennessee's offense was, like, last in the conference and, like, 122nd in the country overall in yards per game. 115? I think it was 122. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say, I think uh, we tweeted that out the other day. But uh, anyway, either, either way, they were terrible. So, it was, yeah, it was 122. Yeah. Oh, Ole Miss was 115 in defensive points per game national rank. Man, I guess yeah, that had to be yeah. like one of the best stats as a state fan. We had so many state ballers, so that tweet got a lot of action. I was like, the state was number one in defensive points per game. Um, also, Ole Miss was last in the SEC. So that was like a great tweet all together for for uh, state. And also, to, to top that off, I, I tweeted like we know who won the we know who really won the state thing. Um, after the Mississippi State Mississippi Senator Ray Cindy Hyde Smith won. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, I did it myself, so I'm kind of bragging about it, but I just thought it was kind of cool because uh, – <laughs> Did because, you guys see my awesome tweet? Yeah, because it was uh, on top of already shitting on Ole Miss. Um, I, I would normally use – I like the I like defensive points per game, but the only thing I don't like about that is um, there's probably special teams in there. That's what I don't like about defensive points. So it's not the true mark of defense because um, – Special teams are involved in that as well. So, um, but yeah, Mississippi State has awesome defense. But back to what you're saying, Hole. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Tyson Helton was even good enough to be a Western Kentucky head coach, especially in a a league yeah. where or or a team that needs a lot of offense. You know, conferences say you think high powered offenses, and Tyson Helton really hasn't done anything to prove it yet at Tennessee. Yeah, plus, being second. Yeah, and I mean, there were already rumors that he was going to get fired, and then like if you're looking for a head coach, like, are you really going to go hire some offense coordinator who's about to get fired? Like, I don't know. I mean, I know Tyson Hilton has a track record, and that may be why they liked him so much. But I just – I feel like there was some other uh, offensive guys out there that maybe, you know, would have been better. But I don't know. But it, yeah. is good, it is good for Tennessee either way because, you know, they were probably going to have to part ways with them anyway. Yeah, so. and Helton, Helton was also the OC at – uh, Western Kentucky, back when Petrino was their head coach, when uh, Brandon Dowdy was their quarterback, when he put up a monster numbers. So, obviously, the Western Kentucky administration wants to go back to those days because 
you know, if you're at a, at a school like Western Kentucky, you got to beat people by outscoring. So, and obviously, offense is what wins at those kind of schools, and they're going the offensive route. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that. So that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have been funny is if Western Kentucky hired Bob Petrino again, <laughs> like that. And I don't know why they think that Tyson Helton was the architect of that offense with Petrino there. Um, I think that was definitely he wasn't. That was definitely a Petrino thing. Um, also, so. We'll, we're going to get into the SEC championship, which we should pretty soon because that's probably the most important thing we should talk about, which we will. But um, Tennessee offensive coordinator uh, candidates, JB, people mentioned Chip Lindsey, and I, that kind of confused me because I didn't think he was that great at Auburn. People didn't like him at Auburn. Yeah, that's kind of like a dilemma amongst a lot of people, you know, non-Auburn fans and Auburn fans. Was Is the issue this year with this year's offense, is it more Gus Malzahn intervening with Chip Lindsey, or is it just – Chip Lindsey uh, screwing up. I mean, a lot of Auburn fans are saying this is Malzahn's fault because he, Chip Lindsey's kind of has his hand, hands cuffed. Like, he doesn't, he's not able to run his system the way he wants to run it. All the plays he's calling that he has to call are all Malzahn's plays. So, a lot of people are thinking that as well. But, obviously, Chip Lindsey is one of the big candidates for Pruitt. Uh, he and Jeremy Pruitt go way back in, their high, in the high school ranks in the state of Alabama. They're close friends. And he's definitely at the top of his list. I don't know if I say he's first on his list, but he's definitely near the top of his list. All the, all the candidates I've heard, what's his guy's name? Dan Enos, and who is that again? I forgot. I had to look him up. He is the quarterbacks coach for Alabama. He was recently the offensive coordinator at Arkansas okay, under yeah. Bielema, and then also before that, he was the Central Michigan head coach. Okay, and then they had the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns as a candidate too, right? Freddie Kitchens, former Alabama quarterback, played in the mid nineties. And then um, definitely not T. Martin. T. Martin's on the way da- on the way down. And one. no, no, T. Martin's definitely not a candidate. And then the he, other he one, lost, the, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, T. Martin's not a candidate. But then we have one wild card candidate, uh, one that everyone in SEC is familiar with, is Hugh Freeze. Oh. That that one kind of is uh, one that Hugh Freeze definitely wants the job. I think he wants to go anywhere in the SEC. He just wants to get back into coaching. He'll go anywhere. He wants the Tennessee position. He wants the Auburn position. It's all about which one of those coaches will take him and if Greg Sankey is going to give his blessing. But even if he doesn't give his blessing, he has no way to veto it. Obviously, it just probably, he might tell Seat Shaw and his officials to give him some bad calls you know, next season if he freezes his hired somewhere. He would – he has to get approved to the SEC, though, is what you're saying, right? Because Sankey would have to approve it. Sankey, I mean, they go they go to Sankey just to say, is it okay for us to hire him? He can't just say, no, you can't hire this guy. I mean, he could tell you no, but he can't just, you know, keep it from happening. But, I mean, obviously, if you go against what Sankey recommends, he's probably going to have it out for you. And Hugh Freeze actually is employed right now for like an arena team around. Who no, the, he's, he's for he's, he's the uh, offensive coordinator for the new Alliance American Football League uh, Arizona team. He is going to be the offensive coordinator for Rick Neuheisel's Arizona team in the Alliance League. And it doesn't start till like the spring till February, March. February. So. Yeah, February, March, and April. But obviously, Freeze would leave that position to go somewhere in the SEC if if Tennessee or Auburn takes a chance on him. I, I like you, Freeze, as an offensive coordinator, especially. Um, I don't mind him as a head coach, really. It depends on what, which team, but um, I also relate him back to Memphis. So I think he'd be a great coach in Memphis, but um, I think he'd be a great offensive coordinator almost anywhere. You know, yeah, like 
anywhere he freeze goes, like he has been successful everywhere he's been. Doesn't matter what level of play he's been in, like middle school, high school, college, he's been successful. And wherever he goes, if he goes to Auburn and he gets to have seen him, I can't imagine what kind of numbers he could put up if, if Gus Malzahn gives him free reign, which won't happen anyway. So that actually would be a bad decision for Freeze. If he went to Tennessee, he wouldn't have But I think Pruitt would also give him more free reign too. So, you know, it's kind of just whatever Freeze wants. I think – but honestly, it's not even really what he wants. It's going to be what which school will take the chance on him. Yeah. Getting to the SEC championship, Alabama against Georgia in Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta – Probably very similar to last uh, last year's championship game uh, in terms of crowd. Uh, probably 50-50. You could say it's a home game for Georgia, but not really because Alabama and Tuscaloosa is very, very close to Atlanta, and they travel well, and it's not really a far travel anyway. So I think it's going to be very, very close to 50-50 for Georgia and Alabama um, in terms of fans. Um, the line is 13 and a half. Hold. Do you think that is too high? Or again, do you ever, ever bet against Alabama? Yeah, it's really hard to bet against Nick Saban in a big game. I mean, it really is. 13 and a half does seem high. Yeah, it does seem high. Georgia's a great football team. Um, I mean, man, like 13 and a half is a lot against a team as good as Georgia. But I just, like, man, I just wouldn't be surprised at all if Alabama won this game by two touchdowns or more just because that's how Nick Saban is and that's how good they are. You know, they've won every game they played this year by at least, what, was 20, it 21 points? 20 22. points, yeah. 20. 22. 22, JB. Gotcha. So, so yeah. either way, I mean, they have pretty much – Proud know, Alex. Is this going to be the closest game they play all year? I mean, probably, but, you know, maybe it'll just be more of the same. You know, Georgia's defense is good, not great. Um, I do think that – Alabama's going to be able to score a little bit on them. I think it's the best offense Georgia's faced all year. And I think it's maybe the best defense they've played all year. And, you know, I know that their one loss was down in Baton Rouge and a really tough environment. But, you know, LSU is not nearly as good of a football team as Alabama is. And Alabama went down there and won easily. So, I mean, does that mean that Alabama's going to win easy on Saturday? No, but I just – you know, I'm definitely – have a lot more faith in Alabama and Nick Saban. But at the same time, the number is really high, and Georgia's a really good football team. So, I mean, I hate to hedge my bet, but, like, if I had to bet, I would bet Alabama, but I really could see it going either way. To give you a little more comfort, Holtz, uh, Georgia did play LSU earlier this year and did lose 36-16 to 16 by 20, and that was LSU, the same LSU team that Alabama beat by whatever, 29 to nothing. So um, that was um, at LSU, so maybe a little different than this, but – um, Alabama has not looked beatable at all this year, um, which is – I mean, it's kind of crazy that they were tied at half to Citadel. I don't know what was going on there. They just, I guess, had a mental breakdown for one half. But um, They had that Mississippi State hangover. That's what happened. <laughs> that's what it was for sure. But um, I, I know it seems high, but it would not surprise me if they won by 20 or 30, um, which at that point – I would be so scared of playing Alabama in the playoff, um, which actually, I guess it'd be kind of a good thing if you're Clemson though, because you would want people to talk more about Alabama than you just so you're, yeah. you could have a little chip on your shoulder. And, you know, Clemson is the, to me, I, them and maybe George are the only two teams that I think that could compete with Alabama. Yeah. On both sides of the ball, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it'll, it'll be a fun, fun game. Um, you know, not, not a lot of people are talking about Jake Fromm as much as I would like to. Um, people are talking about on local radio here. I think it was local radio here. 
Uh, no, it wasn't. Actually, I listened to a different podcast, uh, SEC podcast. Sorry, I was cheating on us to get some ideas. But people were talking about um, Jake Fromm um, has already locked up the quarterback position for next year. Um, so Justin Fields won't even get a chance. But, you know, that's not really too surprising to me. I don't know, like, why that was even a point because – Jake Fromm has looked so great. And I know Justin Fields is supposed to be very dynamic, but it'll just be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out because Jake Fromm is quietly probably a top five quarterback in the country, at least in my mind. Um, I don't know where, where would you put him, JB, in terms of in the country, Jake Fromm being um, how, how efficient he is, how great of a quarterback he is. I mean, they don't ask him to do too much, but he, to me, seems like a top five quarterback. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a, a top-five quarterback in the SEC. I'd probably put him top ten in the country, too. I mean, it just he brings all the intangibles, too. That's what I like about him. He Like, I always compare him to a previous quarterback of Georgia, Aaron Murray. Uh, he just has a lot of poise in the pocket. He makes good reads, good decisions. Uh, he has really accurate throws, uh, good timing on his throws as well, accuracy throwing the ball down the field. I mean, yeah, his arm's not as strong as others, but he's he's able to make all the throws and get it there. I love. I just love watching him play. Uh, he's. I think he's going to win a championship for Georgia before his time is done. I think he's going to be a four-year guy too. I don't see him being a three-year quarterback. Give me just one second here. Um, I think he could be a um, first-round draft pick, actually, because I, don't, uh, I just. I don't know. I just feel like Fraud might be a four-year guy. It's just. It it just seems like a four year guy to me. I mean, I know I know he's going to be, a, you know, a high high draft pick. But you know, Drew Locke was a four year guy at Missouri. It's Jake Fromm, just the type of personality he is. I just feel like he's going to play in Georgia fourth year, especially yeah, if they don't win a championship. Especially if he doesn't win a championship in his first three years, I think he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to want to come back and try for a championship. It's just he's that type of personality. I don't know if Holt will agree with me, but I mean, we saw Drew Locke come back when he was probably going to be a potential first round pick last year. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he definitely strikes me as the kind of guy um, that would hang around for all four years. Um, you know, I, it just depends. If they win a national championship, maybe that changes things. You know, I, I'm really not sure. Maybe he he's the kind of guy who wants to go out on top. But, uh, you know, I he definitely strikes me as a four-year guy. I'm not sure. Like, you know, obviously he's a sophomore this year, so he's not going to be in any mock drafts for next year. But I don't really know – you know, where the scouts have him uh, as far as, like, what round he's projected in. You know, he doesn't strike me as a first-round guy, but, you know, maybe he is. I mean, he's definitely got those leadership qualities like you were talking about, JB. You know, all the intangibles, um, just great presence on the field and uh, makes good decisions and is accurate with the football. And, I mean, that's that's half the battle or more right there. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see for sure. You know, he you compared him to Aaron Murray, JB. He's he's a lot better than Aaron Murray. I can understand where you would go with that, but he, Aaron Murray threw a lot more interceptions and wasn't as accurate as Jake Fromm is. Um, Jake Fromm may, maybe had a better team, but I don't know. Aaron Murray had some good teams too, though. So it's, it's tough Doesn't problem. Aaron Murray have the record for like most passing yards in SEC history? Uh, yeah, he I does. Know. He does. There's, I'm looking at his stats I think he now. Does. So maybe is he? He's at three. He had three thousand yards in each of his four seasons. He was he also was four years. He was a redshirt freshman, and he started for four years. I mean, yeah, he, he started as a redshirt freshman, like, his first game, and he I don't even know if he missed a start throughout his career. Um, Yeah, it doesn't look like it. I'm looking at stats now. Um, I don't see where the games are, but I, it, looks like, it looks like he played all four, four years every single game. 
3,800 yards in uh, his junior year, his redshirt junior year, 36 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Pretty good. Pretty good numbers. A uh, little Aaron Murray news for you. Aaron Murray just recently, as of yesterday, um, was selected number two overall in the AAF draft. That's the American Alliance football thing you were talking about, JB, with you freeze coaching. Second That's overall to the Atlanta Legends, which I didn't know we had a team, but I guess we do here in Atlanta. You do. Uh, yeah, they, the Atlanta you even know what the uh, – well, you don't even know you had a team, but you want to know what the colors are for this team? Atlanta Legends? Yeah, the Atlanta Legends. I'm assuming they're they've – uh, already, already, Yeah, they've already released the uh, uniforms for the Atlanta Legends. They're not bad. Uh, they, it's a uh, – I'm trying to think how to describe it. It's a purple and gold. gold. Yeah, yeah, purple and gold. Now. It looks like either – Looks, looks like, like Washington High School. That's what I was gonna say. Christian Brothers High School or University of Washington, one or the other. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So interesting. It's kind of interesting because I remember he was he was doing like a podcast and I think he was commentating for CBS Sports. Um, I I don't know if I'd give that up to play football, but or at least American Alliance football. But oh well, uh, Deistra. But back to um, Terry Prime. He's a great quarterback. Let's let's break this down though um, by uh, position here. So let's say Holt. Um, I would I would assume you would say that at the quarterback position you would say Alabama has the edge versus Jake Fromm, even though as good as Jake Fromm is. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think Tua is just more explosive um, in the passing game. Um, I think he provides a little bit more in the running game. Neither one are going to kill you with their legs, but, but you know, Tua has a little bit more ability with his legs, and. Um, you know, he puts the ball wherever he wants it, and he creates a lot more big plays in the passing game than Prom does. What about the running backs, Holt? Georgia versus Alabama. Alabama should be more talented, but Georgia looks like they have better running backs as of now. Yeah, I think JB will agree with me. I think I'm going to have to say the running uh, the running backs of Georgia. Uh, Absolutely, be... yeah. Yeah, Georgia's got the best set of running backs, the best running back duo in the country. And they, they had it last year, and then, you know, here – this year, they have two completely different running backs with Swift and Holyfield, and that's the best duo in the country. I don't know if anybody can say they have a, as good a duo as Georgia. What about offensive line, JB? Offensive line, I am going to give the edge to Bama. Uh, if this was last year, I would have said Georgia, but this yep. offensive line for Georgia is a little bit more inexperienced than Bama's. Uh, than also up, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're banged, banged up and they're up, younger. Banged up. But also, I will say, Georgia has the best offensive line coach in the country in Sam Pittman. He gets the most out of his guys. His guys are always going to be a great unit. But I'm going to give the edge to Bama just because they're a little bit more healthy and a little more experienced. That's the guy from Arkansas, right? The uh, offensive line coach? Yeah, he coached yeah. at Arkansas. Yeah. And he also coached at Tennessee during the Dooley years. Man, um, I thought Mike Munchak was the best offensive line coach. I guess not. Um Wide receivers, Holt, I'm assuming this is going to be Alabama with their two-slash-three-star young wide receivers, freshman sophomores with Ruggs and um, Judy. Judy. Judy and uh, – What's the other guy's name? Like uh, Waddle. Waddle. Yeah, the Waddle. Waddle dude's really good. I Waddle, think they have one more, Judy too. Ruggs. Yeah. Uh, don't they that's, have one more, too? It's really then, just those. It's really and just And then uh, Smith, the tight end, has been a big playmaker for him, too. He is. Although Georgia's got some good playmakers with Godwin and Hardman as well. Doesn't Alabama – oh, what's his, his name's like Devontae Smith or something like that maybe? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, but he's really good too. But anyway, yeah, Georgia's got a bunch of, you know, really good players as well. I mean, they're yeah. definitely nothing to sneeze at. But it's just Alabama's an elite unit, and I see Georgia more as a very good unit. 
Yeah, like I think the one guy the out of both out of both out of both receiving cores for both teams between Georgia and Alabama, my favorite receiver to watch is Miko Hardman. He's the best playmaker probably at receiver in the conference, but he doesn't get the ball enough. But like when he gets loose in open space, like you're not gonna catch him. He is just way too fast and way too elusive. Really good route runner too. Yeah. So he can also take a screen all the way. The same do that a few times as well. So we're going with um, Alabama has the edge. Alabama offensive line, slight edge. Offensive I'm line, give, quarterback, receiver, but not running back. Let's go to the defensive side. Defensive line. Uh, Alabama, I'm assuming, has the edge. Yeah. Alabama for sure. Yeah, I agree. Linebacker is for sure Alabama, right? Yeah, I'd have to say yeah. so. Also, yeah, we're gonna go with Alabama. Secondary. Secondary, this yeah. is kind of a close one for me. I think it's Georgia. I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually going to go with Georgia, too. Yeah, I'm yeah go it's kind of similar to the offensive line, but, like, in reverse form, like, I think Alabama may have, like, some more, like, long-term, like, really talented guys, but they're just young right now. Same thing with Georgia's offensive line. But I think uh, Georgia's secondary is a little bit more experienced than, you know, DeAndre Baker, obviously, is the best out of all of them, I think. Isn't that his first name, DeAndre? Yep, DeAndre all right, all right, Baker. cool. Just make sure. Don't want to say them, don't want to say my man's name wrong on the podcast. You know, I, I was looking looking back at some more tweets earlier this year um, to try to find the podcast that we can tweet out. Um, we made a big deal about the California wide receiver transferring to Georgia, Demetrius Robertson. Um, yeah. he hasn't played at all, really. Yeah, that's is, surprising to me. Is he? He didn't redshirt, did he? I don't think he did because I'm looking at his stats. Looks like I, he, I he haven't really stats. heard, honestly. He hasn't. I, I'm looking at it now. I think he he played against Austin P and UMass, but hasn't played really ever. So every, <coughs> yeah, he played. He played uh, against Austin P and UMass, but nothing else. Um, the crazy. Mm, so that means he'd be eligible for a red shirt then. I, mean, I guess maybe, but <laughs> I just I'm trying to figure out like why we missed such a big deal. I guess he was a lot better at California. Yeah, well, he was like a five-star coming out of high school, and he was really good at Cal last year. I mean, I, I don't know about really good, but I feel like he was at least a pretty good player for them, played as a true freshman, I'm pretty sure. Okay, and last but not least, I'm assuming uh, – this is this one's probably pretty obvious. At kicker, I'm assuming we're going to say Georgia, <laughs> as always. <laughs> Never trust Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're going to have to go Georgia <laughs> on that one. I'm not sure how many uh, Alabama extra points you've seen this year, but they've they've not been pretty. Yeah. So, yeah, and Blankenship's a good story, too. So, you, you got to go towards this kicker. So, now we're saying for offense, Alabama has the edge for everything except for running back and defense. Alabama has the edge, everything except for secondary. And then Georgia has his uh, edge on with kicker. Punter, I guess. Is- I would say, I would say. I would say Georgia has the edge completely on special teams, even with return games, too. I don't know if Holt would agree with me, but I would say Georgia has the edge there as well. I like Jaden Waddle as a as a kick returner, but I, I mean, do too, but they could I like seeing but me call Hardman punt returns, my God. And head coach. Does it get you excited, Jimmy? It does, it does. And head coach Rob is gonna stay safe and as old as he is, he's still better than smart. The the teacher versus the student, I guess, is what we're doing this. Maybe that that'd probably be another CBS string thing. Is it the this teacher versus student, which I don't know if they're going to, but that sounds like something they could say a lot. Yeah. Anything about him being like a former saving assistant? Yeah. And now we'll we'll flip around. So Alabama offense versus Georgia defense. The edge goes Alabama obviously here, right? 
Absolutely. The, yeah. the interesting question would be the other round be Georgia's offense versus Alabama's defense. Even though Alabama's defense is really good, Georgia's offense has been really, really good also. So I think that might be a neutral. Yeah. I always go with more neutral. I think the biggest X factor in this game, I mean, it's not really much of an X factor. It's pretty damn obvious. Uh, for Georgia to have a chance in this game, they're going to have to have this establish, have to establish the running game, control the time of possession. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say too. I mean, that's really what this game comes down. What this game comes down to, in my opinion, is whether or not Georgia can run the ball. If they can, well, they, they have a chance. If they can't, they don't. Tua, because I feel like they can pick off Tua. So we we keep talking about Tua having a bad game. I don't know if he really had a bad game this year. Maybe we could say the Mississippi State game. He didn't have as grave a game. And the LSU game, he threw an interception, but not really any bad games. So and maybe this is his time to have a like a completely bad game. Yeah, I mean it's definitely possible. I mean it's just hard to play at that high of a level for an entire season. I mean it's not really anything we've ever seen before. Um, you know, not saying that I expect it to happen, but at the same time, it is kind of hard to believe that you could go. You know, you could play thirteen games and not have one bad game. You know what I mean? It's just crazy to me. Um, but to me, that just, you know, if he's able to do that, that just says, you know, what kind of a player he is and what kind of a team he's on. Could there be a more boring pregame interviews with two head coaches and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart? I'm not going to give you anything. Yeah, you're not going to get any kind of sound bites out of those guys. Nick Saban, actually, I was listening to it today on the Georgia radio. <laughs> they, I don't know who asked him, but – Somebody was asking about something, something, some kind of game plan he had for Georgia, and he kind of had a snide remark like, "Well, you want me to, um, you want me to tell Kirby Smart? I'll just call Kirby Smart and tell him right now, and then you can go ahead and call Kirby Smart and ask him what my game plan is, since you just want me to tell him right now." He didn't say it exactly like that, but basically that's how he did. And he had like a little, a weird laugh afterwards. <laughs> I wish they would just troll. Him. I wish they would just troll him and be like, "Yeah, we're running a double reverse pass in the first play." That's something Kiffin would do. That's why I want Kiffin somewhere in the SEC. That is a, that's a, the thing about Kiffin is he would tell you he's going to run a double reverse pass, you know, the first play of the game, like a week ahead of time, and then he actually would do it. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. I wish it was. It would be. How hilarious but, uh, would it be if it worked? Like, that would just be, like, the biggest, like, if, if he did all that and it actually worked. That'd be crazy. Yeah, if he actually told you a week ahead of time in an interview and then he actually did it. And I wouldn't – Kiffin would definitely be the kind of guy to do that. Let's uh let's switch gears here and talk about other things happening in the conference. Um we talked about um Tyson Helton leaving Tennessee for Western Kentucky. Tyson Helton the offensive coordinator leaving Tennessee for Western Kentucky. What we have not gone into detail about is Gus Malzon, which the rumors have since taken off about him. Originally, um me and JB were having a little debate about this. I didn't think there was any way they would uh, foot the buyout for Gus Malzahn. His his contract he signed last year after they beat Georgia um, was, or I guess after regular season, and they were about to play Georgia in the SEC championship was forty nine million. I think the buyout right now at the end of this year would be thirty two million, which is unprecedented, the highest buyout ever in college football and probably college basketball any sport that I that I've seen. Um, I don't th- I think that's way I think it's way too high. But Jamie's like, no, they'll pay it if if they want to, or if they need to, they will. Um, rumors have started this week where the power brokers, keyword people are starting to use power brokers um, at Auburn are as known as Bobby Louder. Yeah. So who, who is he? What does he do? 
can't exactly remember what he does, but Bobby Ladder is the the main power broker, but also uh, the yellow fella. Uh, I forgot what his name is. The guy that used to do those Yellowwood commercials. He is also another big power broker at Auburn, too. I forgot his name. Jimmy something. Bobby Louder is a American banking executive and founder and former longtime CEO of the f- failed Colonial Bank and the Colonial Bank Group. So um, I guess he had a failed bank, but he's rich still. What was net worth is <laughs> um, probably more than $49 million. Um, but uh looks like it's about $164 million, but that's what I'm reading quick. But um, short story is that they'll pay his buyout if they need to. But it sounds like now they are working with Gus to restructure his contract so they can basically fire him next year. And the rumor on the street is that um, Bob Stoops has met with Auburn about the possibility of coaching in, in the case uh, – arises where Gus will be fired. And I, I don't know if there's interest. Sounds like there's a little interest, but that could just be people talking on Twitter. Um, JB, fill me in on this real quick. Well, what do you think about all this? Is it true? Um, it, well, I actually don't think that Bob Stoops has ever met with anybody with Auburn. I don't think Bob Stoops is ever going to coach again. I know some people like to link him to the Ohio State position. I think Bob Stoops is truly done. I don't think he's ever going to return to coaching again. Okay. Um, do you think? I guess I'll ask, I'll ask hold this. If you're if you're Gus, why would you actually agree to a reduced buyout at this point? Wouldn't you just say, you know what, go ahead and fire me. Call uh, I I'll call your bluff. You go ahead and fire me and pay me my thirty two millions. See what you're going to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's just because he thinks he can turn it around there. I mean, honestly, I mean, a lot of these coaches are you know egomaniacs. They're you know over the top. You know. I guess as far as just confidence in themselves and I guess he thinks he's going to be able to turn it around and, you know, they're not going to be able to fire him next year because he's just going to win. And then they're going to have to give him a new contract to pay him more money and have a bigger buyout. Yeah. Like Gus Malzahn has a hot, high confidence to even agree to this reduced buyout. If it's like the alleged buyout that they're talking about, because I mean, he's pretty much given them like the free reign, like, Hey, we're going to reduce your, I'll take the reduced buyouts just because I really want to remain here. I like the pieces I already have. And I'm going to prove you guys wrong again next year, just like I proved you guys wrong the last six years every time my back has been against the wall. Yeah, another thing, too, is if he gets fired from this job, the odds of him getting a job as good as Auburn ever again are pretty slim. You know, he may get a head coaching job, you know, somewhere like even power five, like maybe lower level, but he's never going to be put in a position to recruit the kind of players that he is at Auburn. And I think he knows that if he's going to have any chance to win a national championship as a head coach, it's going to be at Auburn. It it rarely, rarely happens where you see a fire coach from a pretty good power five school get fired, get fired and then go to a different school and compete at the same level. Like you could, you could think about different, different coaches that have done pretty good. Like Mike Leach has done a good job. He's one of one of the examples, but he didn't have it. Washington State's not a better job than Texas Tech. That's point number one. There's other coaches like uh, you could say Kevin Sumlin leaving for Arizona. I mean, not leaving, got fired. Um, he's not doing good so far. Even uh, Rich Rodriguez leaving was originally to Michigan to get fired at Michigan and then go coach Arizona. Never really competed at the same level. You just never really see it happen like that. You could the only person you could see at this point that might work out is Lane Kiffin. Um, he hasn't had a good year this year, but he could. He could get a job at the level of Tennessee and maybe even USC if he continues. He could. 
But yeah, he could. It's rare. But what's going for Kiffin? Yeah, but what's going for Kiffin is that he's still relatively young. He's only in his mid forties too. He got the Tennessee job at thirty one and the USC job at thirty two. So yeah, he still had a long career ahead of him. So yeah, he's definitely probably going to get a Power Five job again soon. I don't know what it'll be, but he's definitely in line for one. Gus Malzahn, I mean, he's in his mid fifties. He's in the peak of his career right now. And I understand where Gus Malzahn is coming from. That's why he wants to remain at Auburn because he's he's not going to have a better crop of players to ever work with. And he's gonna he's he's got that ego, like Holt said. He's going to be out to prove everyone wrong next year. I guess at some point, if you're making like five or six million a year, whatever he's making, you know, a thirty-two million buyout obviously is a lot more than five or six million. But um, you know, after your first or second million, like it's not really about the money at that point. I think you're in a good good point financially in your career in your life where you know oh you know 32 million dollars isn't going to make you that much happier versus getting the chance to stay in and compete for national championship that's the only thing i can rationalize but you know i don't have my first million so it's also hard for me to rationalize <laughs> to that point um i'm still kind of jealous that whole got a free movie free movie day tonight and i didn't um but we will see what happens at Auburn. It'll be interesting. So I guess the prediction, there's probably some bets out there, JB, for Auburn next year to see um, when Gus will get fired, if Gus will be the first coach to be fired next year. You know, you can always, you can even take this all the way back to whenever um, Les Miles got fired um, against, it was the game that uh, Auburn barely beat LSU. If Auburn was going to lose that game, people were saying that Gus was going to get fired. So it's just crazy how, you know, that could have been Gus, and it wasn't Gus. But now, a few years later, like, it's probably going to be Gus is what we're thinking at this point. But good games this week still. Do you want to go ahead and go straight to pick them, or would you like to talk more about this Alabama-Georgia slugfest? I'm kind of ready to do some pick them. Uh, hold, uh, you know, since I've already pretty much conceded the feed on the regular season, would you like to do any kind of wager – just for this weekend, or maybe uh, for bowl season when bowl season comes. Um, well, you know me; uh, I'm a degenerate gambler, so I'm always down for a good bet. Okay, well, here's one that we could do: just one bet on this Georgia Alabama game. The line is 13. You're betting. You're going to probably pick Bama to cover the 13. I am picking Georgia to cover. Okay. So you want to you want to hedge a bet on that? Sure, why not? That's easy. All better. right, let's. What's I mean? What's I what's the payout easy. here? I mean, what yeah. what are the stakes? Yeah, JB's not gonna lose. Uh, me, don't worry. Probably just. No, it's probably just like uh, you can buy me a six pack. I'll buy you a six pack, or I'll buy you dinner. You buy me dinner. You know, something like that. Well, we have to be definite because I feel like dinner might cost more than a six pack. All right, how about uh, nothing? The payout won't be anything more than ten bucks. So pretty much like a a, a plate of nachos at Central Barbecue. We'll pay out the bet. How about this? A six-pack or nachos? Okay. That works. Winner's choice. Winner's choice. Do that. I'm going to pick the nachos. (laughs) Debbie, can I get it? That'll be the next time you're ever in Memphis. Uh, Alex, anytime you always make a bet with me, I always lose. Get I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to break even here, and I got a high, I got some high confidence in Georgia. Even though I'm a, I'm a big fan of this Alabama team, I think it's the greatest team of all time. I think Georgia's going to give Alabama the best game of the season because I think that Alabama's going to run through the playoff no matter who they play. 
but I, I think Georgia's going to be the toughest game they have the rest of the season. And, JB, I just saw that you Venmoed me $1. Yeah, so me too. I don't know what that was for, but uh, – I, I know what it was for. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess you owed me a dollar somewhere. Yeah. So you thought you just you just going to Venmo me a dollar? Yeah. Is it for parking? That's what I'm thinking. It's parking. It is. It is. You two split the parking, and then I paid my share. I just paid it off half <laughs> one to you, one to Alex. <laughs> Oh, you need to uh, give, give give that dollar back to UPA. You owe her six dollars for Taco Bell. Uh, she charged me too, and I pay her back. And you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I bought more stuff than uh, she charged me for. But you know what? If, and if you that's say, all she's gonna charge me, then fine. And you could you could tell Upa that I uh, already paid her without her even charging me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, I just don't check Venmo very often, and my email's been messing up on my phone, so I didn't <laughs> see it till today. But I did well, pay her. What had happened was well, she does charge interest. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. Well, <laughs> I, do, I mean, I already paid it, so it's done now. Yeah, I've already paid my debts. All right, t- so tell her to- thanks. Tell her thanks for the Taco Bell, though. Yeah. We- okay, Holt. So let's uh, let's do a uh, handshake over 500 miles away through air. That we will buy each other a six pack or a plate of barbecue nachos from Central over this game. I pick. I'm picking Georgia to cover 13. I'm not picking Georgia to win, but I think Georgia covers the 13 point line. You think Alabama's going to cover the 13 point line and win by more than 13? Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right, there we go. All right, let's get to the fun games. Picking uh, Utah at Washington Friday night. Uh, line is five and a half. Washington. Hope. Oh. Uh, man, this is tough. This is actually going to be a close game, even though it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But I'm going to go Washington. I feel like they've just kind of uh, turned the corner on the season. They had a couple of tough losses, but, you know, they've been turning it on lately. And uh, how crazy it would be if the Pac-12 champ actually lost to one of the worst teams in the SEC in the first game of the season. <laughs> crazy. JD. This is a really tough one for me, too. I really love uh, Kyle Whittingham. I really love Chris Peterson. Both excellent coaches. Both teams highly disciplined. Utah plays pretty good defense. Washington plays good defense. I'm going to have to go with the Huskies. Really close one. All right. Y'all talking too much. I just need to answer these, this, this stuff. I'm, I'm going to sleep over here. Sorry. I mean, we haven't really talked about these games. So I just want to give a shout-out to, you know, those two coaches. Texas and Oklahoma. Red River. Red River rivalry? Red River. Red <laughs> River. Red River rivalry. Red River shootout. <laughs> Texas Oklahoma. Um, it's hard to beat a team twice in one year, JB. So go ahead and pick to Oklahoma for us. Boomer Sooner. They're going to get the revenge on Texas, and they're going to win big to solidify their spot in the playoff as a number four seed. Hold they going to whoop that ass? Um, yes. <laughs> Most definitely. All right, cool. Oh, fun game, fun game. Memphis at Central Florida for the American Athletic Conference Championship without Mackenzie Milton, quarterback in UCF. JB, go Tigers! I'm going to go with Memphis. Hell yeah, they're going to fight. They're going to UCF is finally going to lose a football game. Then the rest of the country will be rejoice. Although it will be kind of bittersweet how it happens though, because like I said earlier in the podcast, I hate that they lose awesome quarterback and competitor Mackenzie Milton. So it's not going to feel right, but. I think Memphis wins. The, overcoming the loss of Mackenzie Milton is going to be really tough for UCF. I might be a little bit biased because I had a front row seat to see uh, Miss uh, Memphis's very dynamic running game run for over 400 yards against Houston last week. Um, 
I know UCF has maybe struggled a little bit against the run this year, and their quarterback's out. And Memphis almost beat them earlier this year. They lost by one point. I mean, man, I, I got to go with Memphis in this one, too. I know it's Good crazy time. they were both picking them, but I think uh, <laughs> I think our boy from uh, South Panola is going to have a big game. Or yeah, like if, Batesville, wherever he's from. He's from somewhere in will, South Panola. Like, yeah. I will say this. Uh, I will say this. If Milton doesn't go out, if he doesn't get injured, I'd pick UCF. But it's going to be hard for them to overcome that injury, like Holt said. Memphis's running game is be able to control the time of possession, in my opinion. And I think they'll just be able to outscore UCF. Quick question. Does Norvell leave if he wins the American Athletic Conference Championship this year? No. Is it is it because there's not great opportunities? Because that's what I would put it to. Is it yeah, I'd, I'd, attribute it, I'd attribute it to opportunities. I don't think opportunities this year are going to be as great. And two, Norvell is going to have a pretty good team coming back next year. I think he'll be able to cash out after next year. Because he didn't even cash out after last season. I thought he was going to cash out then, but – Apparently his gambling issues scared a lot of teams off, but I think he'll cash out. You say that season. like you know him personally, and like you know like personally well, about mean, like all his problems. That's what that, that was. That, that was fueled speculation. Yeah. Those those are the hot rumors. Though. I've seen those rumors on a, in a few different places. So I'm not saying they're not true. I was actually yeah. gonna, I was going to say that uh, maybe hit some of his off the field issues may scare some teams away, but I wasn't going to get into specifics about it. <laughs> okay, thank you for that tidbit. Fresno State against Boise State. Line is two and a half. It's at Boise, Idaho. This is for the Mountain West Championship game. Hold. Yeah, you know, Fresno went there earlier this year and lost a heartbreaker. I think that they pull uh, – not really an upset, but I do think that they get revenge this time on the Smurf Turf against, uh, against the Broncos. Debbie. Boise doesn't win, doesn't lose big games at home on that blue turf. I'm gonna go with Boise. All right, these next two games, we know who the winner is projected to be and who y'all would guess. So I'm <laughs> I'm gonna ask y'all how much. The first one is Clemson against Pittsburgh in ACC championship. The line is twenty seven and a half. Oh, how much did they win by? Uh, I think they won by twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay, JB, they gonna cover? They're gonna win by more than twenty eight. Twenty nine. Would that be uh, lay the points? As we're, playing the pri- we're playing the prices right here. Okay, <laughs> would, Jamie. Would that be uh, lay the points, Holt, as the kids say? Yes, lay them and play them. All right. Northwestern against Ohio State. Uh, I don't see a line in this game on ESPN, so shame on them. But um, how much are they going to win? By? I thought it was only like two. I thought it was like 15, I think, is what I saw. I I would surprise like I would be surprised it would be that low. I would think Ohio State would try to run this out. I think they would be like thirty or something like that. Yeah. Well, if they get the chance to run it up, they probably will. But Northwestern's actually played pretty well points. this season. So it's fourteen points, Al. Thanks. Yeah, Northwestern. Like, I mean, obviously they're in this game for a reason. They've played pretty well this season. Their defense is not a joke. Um, Ohio State has been very up and down this season, and there's. Really nothing to make me think other than what happened last week that Ohio State is going to win this game big. But that being said, they do have a lot more talent and a lot more to play for. And if they get a chance to run up the score, they probably will. So, with that being said, I'd probably start to take Ohio State. JB? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Buckeyes. Uh, like Holt said, uh, they're more talented Northwestern. Northwestern's really well coached. Pat Fitzgerald runs an awesome program there. They play hard for him play hard for their school for the pride but Ohio State just way too talented and they're also trying to impress a committee that's going to have have their fate for them so yeah Ohio State's going to run this game yeah run the score up 
win this game big. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Now we get to the game of the week, which is, by the way, college game day. Um, decided to come to Little Atlanta for the SEC Championship on CBS. Alabama against Georgia in a neutral game, neutral site game, believe it or not, in Atlanta. Uh, Lions 13 and a half. Both of y'all said Alabama's going to win, I'm assuming, um, based off of your context clues. But how much? JB says less than 13 and a half. Holt says more than 13 and a half. Can we get more exact? Okay, well. I'm going to say closer than the experts think. The experts think it's going to be 13 and a half. I think Alabama wins this by less than 10. I Even though I'm, I'm saying less than 13, I think it's going to be less than 10. But, of course, me and Holder handshake bets less than 13. I think Bama wins this only by single digits. Ooh, Alabama Alabama 34, Georgia 17. Uh, no, Alabama did not kick two field goals. They missed an extra point. <laughs> I got you. Good games, um, which we didn't – I'm not going to get into now. Um, we did do a whole bowl projection based off of what I looked up on the internet, not what I thought. Um, we have three – I think it's – I think we actually had – I don't know if this is possible. It looks like there's three teams in the New Year's Six, but maybe there's only two SEC teams. I think it was LSU and Florida and then Kentucky had like a – looks like a New Year's Six, but I guess it's not a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, then you have obviously Alabama in the Cotton Bowl as number one seed, and then you have a bunch of uh, non – non-exciting bowl games, or I guess non uh, – what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the what we were saying earlier, the bowl games don't matter as much as as in like they, they don't just uh, rank the bowl games like they should. They just have a committee invite these teams to what they think will be a great destination for uh, the fans, everybody. So Mississippi State's going to go to the Music City Bowl again, play NC State again, and um, not happy Met about the that. president again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Outback Bowl, Outback Bowl or bus against Penn State? Or is that what you're looking for? Holt? That's the ideal scenario. I don't. I think there's a much better chance of Mississippi State going to the Outback Bowl than Penn State. But um, right now, I'm thinking that Mississippi State is going to get in the Outback Bowl. But if not, I think it's going to be Music City. As far as any of the other teams in the conference go, I don't really know. Yeah, it'll be interesting who. UCF plays. That's what I'm interested in. Especially if they win. Um, if they played Florida, that would just be awesome. I would yeah, love to see I them like play that. Florida. I like that idea. And I, don't, I mean, I don't like really anybody. That, like, even if they got a game against Georgia and Georgia was like the outside looking in, um, not in the playoffs. I'd like, like to see Georgia play someone good. Like, I saw, like, I think, was it you that posted the Georgia versus uh, Texas, Texas in the yeah. Sugar Bowl? Yeah. That would be awesome for sure. Yeah. I'd like to see LSU versus, uh, like, maybe a team that throws the ball a lot. UCF. Just because they have a really good secondary. No, I want to see Florida play UCF. Alex okay. already said that. Okay, okay. God damn. Yeah. For state championship. Open yeah. your fucking ears. <laughs> my, my, my big, my big. <laughs> that big, the big Dumbo ears. Well, clearly it's past my bedtime. <laughs> so I enjoyed every minute of this. I think we broke Holt now. Engaging, yeah, we did break Holt. <laughs> there is a um, we broke Holt smash. <laughs> there is a there is put a, some double A batteries back in you. <laughs> that um, you should follow the like the WWF from the '90s Twitter Holt. It, it's um, it shows just videos from the Attitude Era whenever wrestling was good, and there was one where uh, Mankind or Mick Foley was in the ring with The Rock, and he said something to The Rock, and. The Rock started talking. He, he said, "It doesn't matter." Like to the Rock, and kind of threw everybody off. And he just like 
jumped up and down. I was like, I finally got you, man. I finally got you. You ran around this ring and everything. And I say that all that because that just reminds me of what JB just said to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> JB, JB and Mick Foley do have a striking resemblance to one another. Yeah, that's not always a great thing either, but it is what it is at this point in, his life, in the, uh, our time together. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening this this long to all of us, uh, the experts, and hope you get rich with all of our picks this weekend. Uh, thanks for listening to us um, on the podcast and following us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, SEC Slow Smoke. Until then, we will recap the conference championship in a few days with you. See ya. So long, so long cats. Love y'all.